Welcome to the Center Point Pentecostal Church Podcast. We hope that this podcast finds you well and that you are ready for a life-changing message from one of our outstanding and anointed ministers. If you like this podcast, please be sure to give us a follow and a five-star review on your favorite podcasting app. Now let's get to today's message. We're going to quickly get into the Word of the Lord tonight. I'm going to maybe try to teach a little lesson tonight. If you have your Bibles and you want to turn with me in reading in the book of St. John chapter 4, and we're going to begin reading just five verses, then I'm going to go back and do some more reading in John chapter 4. Very, very familiar passage of Scripture. I want to say thank you for coming to the house of the Lord tonight on a on a wet Wednesday night. It's raining outside, but it's dry inside. Amen. John chapter 4 and verse 5 says, Then cometh he, Jesus, to the city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near a parcel of ground that Jacob gave his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there, and Jesus therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus on the well. And it was about the sixth hour. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. And Jesus said unto her, Give me to drink. And in parentheses in the King James, it says, For his disciples were gone away unto the city to buy meat. Then said the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it? that thou being a Jew asketh drink of me which am a woman of Samaria for the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans and Jesus answered and said unto her if thou knewest the gift of God and who it is that saith unto thee give me to drink You would have asked of him, and when he would have given unto thee living water. Living water. With the help of the Lord tonight, I want to talk to us actually on three subjects. The well, the water, and the word. The well the water and the word why don't we just maybe lay our Bibles down and lift up our voices and our hands toward heaven and ask the Lord to touch the remainder of this service tonight God we just love you tonight we're so thankful that you came to meet us today in this place you said in Matthew where two or three are gathered together in your name that you would be in the midst of it God and we just give you praise we give you glory Come on, why don't we just give the Lord just a a little moment of worship, amen, before we enter into, amen, this last part of the service tonight. I believe somebody can be healed tonight. I believe somebody can receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost tonight. In the name of Jesus, we ask, hallelujah, in Jesus' name, hallelujah. You You may be seated tonight. You know, I've, I thought about 
thought about I was studying today for this sermon and boy I tell you it's, it was, it's been raining and it's been wet and dreary outside and I thought about that, that preacher that he had a little system set up when he would preach his sermons he, he would stack them up in a stack and he would pass them through the pulpit and he had a little shaft that went from the pulpit into the basement of the church and every time he would preach a sermon, he would just get done with his little sermon and his notes, and he would take the sermon notes and just slide it into that slot in the pulpit, and it would go down into the chute, into the basement, into a box. Well, one day, the pastor got a call and said that the church had flooded. Water pipes had busted, and so he calls the head deacon, and he says, quick, go down to the basement and check my sermon notes. He said, make sure that they're okay. So the deacon goes and checks it out, and he calls the pastor a few minutes later. He said, pastor, he said, I got good news. He said, they're just as dry as the day you preached them. <laughs> well, I sure hope tonight that, <clears throat> that my sermon is not dry, <clears throat> but that we can just experience something from the Lord tonight. Talking about the well and the water and the word, I, I was reminded today of an old song, and maybe some of you have never heard it, but I can guarantee that Sister Melissa Daniel and probably Brother, Brother Daryl and maybe uh, Brother, Brother uh, Jeffrey Daniel has heard the song. It's called, I Keep Going Back to the Well. Has anybody ever heard that song? The lyrics go like this, Bless the verse. Blessed is the fountain in a barren land that satisfies the thirst of the inner man. No better place can be found to dwell. Oh, won't you come to the well? And the course goes, I keep coming back to the well of grace. Great is the power and sweet is the taste. Whenever temptation and trials I face, I keep coming back to the well. Jesus made a well at Calvary for healing, cleansing, and victory. How its joy overflows, no tongue can tell. I thank God for the well. Amen. Aren't you thankful <clears throat> that God made a well and he made a way that we might have living water? Amen. I wanted to read just a, a little bit, just some excerpts maybe skipping around in, in John chapter 4. Something interesting that I ran across today that, you know, maybe you've heard and maybe you've not. <clears throat> but Jesus, you know, he, he was just being accused of baptizing, you know, uh, more people than John the Baptist. So he leaves Judea and he, he's going to depart into Galilee. But the Bible says he must needs to go to Samaria. Why Samaria? And the Bible says that when he comes into Samaria, into the city, there's a small section of Samaria that's called Sychar. This, this is not even really listed in many biblical maps because it is more of a slang word than it is actually a city name. And if you don't know much about Samaritans and Jews, if you were to say it today, many people in our Western culture do not understand the conflict between Samaritans and Jews. 
We just don't understand. But there was this conflict that the Jews literally hated the Samaritans. They were a disgrace. And this parcel of land that the well of Jacob was on, where this Samaritan woman met Jesus, was a parcel of ground that was a descendant of Abraham. He gave it to Isaac. Isaac gave it to Jacob. And then Jacob gave it to Joseph. So on and so forth. It was donated. And the Jews named it Sychar, which is a slang word that means drunken. And you might say, what is even the significance of the word drunken and a well and some water and Jesus sitting on the side of it? Well, if you didn't know, Jesus is the living water. This well symbolizes Pentecost and the Holy Ghost that was poured out. Notice what happened when the Jews that were present on the day of Pentecost heard these Samaritans speaking in tongues, they said, these are drunk. You see where it's going, don't you? Amen. The, the salvation that Jesus offered was not just to the Jews. It was to the Gentiles and to the Samaritans. I, I'm thankful tonight because I'm not a Jew. I'm not of Jewish descendant. But thank God I was grafted in. I was adopted in. Okay, so let, let, me, let, me, let me maybe bring it to you this way. When Jesus told his disciples on the Mount of Ascension in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, I mean, probably half of every preacher in here can quote Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. I know pastor's probably in the back. He's watching on the screen, and I know pastor, he loves this scripture. It says, and ye shall receive power... After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses of me in Jerusalem and in Judea and into all of Samaria. He was wanting to let his disciples know that, hey, friend, the Holy Ghost is not just for you, but it's for Samaria also. And to bring it just one more step more into focus in Luke chapter I want to say it's Luke chapter 10 and verse 25 Jesus is talking to his disciples and, and he is talking to them about the kingdom of God and he says to them there are two commandments that are of utmost importance one of the commandments he said first and foremost is hear O Israel the Lord our God is one Lord. And you shall love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. That's the first commandment. And the second, Jesus said, goes right along with the first one. And he said, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Hmm. How many of you have neighbors that you just that you just that you just love? <laughs> I know you can think of that one neighbor that cuts the grass at five o'clock on a Saturday morning. So the Pharisees and the lawyers and the and these scribes and these very knowledgeable people, they were always, Brother Roger, looking to they were looking to to contradict 
and to trip Jesus up in his sayings. But Jesus was too smart for them. He had too much wisdom. And they said unto him, in this scripture, Luke 10, 25, they said unto him, who's my neighbor? Who's my neighbor? Funny thing, Jesus says this parable, and there was a man that goes down the road, and he gets robbed, and we know the story. And guess who saves him? It wasn't the Levite. It wasn't the priest. It was the what? The good Samaritan. In other words, what Jesus is saying, you're going to get help from the most unlikely source that you can think of. Let it sink in. You know, I, I don't mind borrowing $20 from my mama. I, I don't mind maybe borrowing or getting help with some assistance from somebody that I know, asking Brother T. Paul to come help me move. But I mean, there's some people that you just would starve to death before you could just lower yourself to ask them for help. That's what Jesus is meaning in this parable. He's telling them that the Samaritan, the person that you hate the most, is going to help you. So when Jesus leaves Judea and headed to Galilee, he puts the brakes on and he detours and he says, I must needs go to Samaria. Now if you notice in our text, the Bible says that his disciples went into the city to buy meat. How many of you men like to go grocery shopping? That's how much they didn't want to go to Samaria. I'd rather go groceries. Honey, give me that list. Jesus is going to Samaria. I'm going to the grocery store. But the Bible says, I mean, notice that his disciples hardly ever left him. Anytime there was a miracle, boom, they was there. Raising a Jairus' daughter, the blind, the lame, Zacchaeus, all these, they were. Goes to Samaria, they're like, you on your own, Jesus. I ain't going over there. I mean, we done nicknamed this place drunken. Jesus said, I've got to go to Samaria. And the Bible says there met him a woman there at the sixth hour of the day. For those of you that don't know the Jewish clock, that's, that's high noon. In those days, women would go to the well and draw water. And they would only do this in the morning and they would do this in groups. So just the fact that she is there alone states that she was an outcast. And what Jesus is saying is, I've got to go to Samaria. I've got to go to where there's an outcast. And what I love about Jesus, Brother Rodney, is he goes through where we go around. I wonder how many people have come, not to this church. This church welcomes, welcomes all types of people. But I wonder how many people have come and gotten a bad rap from church because we walk around them and Jesus is saying, I need to walk to them. There's a need. This woman came in the middle of the day by herself. She was looking to feel a thirst. And Jesus said, I am here. I have come to this well, and I've come that you might have water. You know, wells in the Bible were a source of water. 
they were also of great importance because cities were either built or not built based on if there was a well nearby. One thing we all have in common, Brother Roger, is we all get thirsty. I don't know if you've ever gotten thirsty and just about dehydrated, but um, my mother called the other day and uh, my new stepbrother, uh, Mike Alexander, was doing some work and he got dehydrated and he was cooking for a festival. And as he was cooking, he got hot and wasn't drinking water. And the next thing you know, he, he completely fell out with heat exhaustion. Because sometimes you get thirsty, and Brother Herman, working out there in the heat, you don't even realize that you're thirsty. And this woman was thirsty, and she was coming to a natural well to get water that only pacified her thirst. When what she was looking for was something that satisfied her thirst. And Jesus is sitting there, and he says to her, Woman, if you only knew the the gift that was in front of you. What gift was he talking about? He was talking about the gift of the Holy Ghost. The well is the source. Jesus was a well sitting on a well. Let that sink in. He was Jacob's well. She said, sir, I, I, I'm not understanding. I, I don't see, you don't have a pitcher in your hand. You don't have a bucket and this well's deep. Jesus said, the water that I have, it will quench your thirst. And if you drink of this water, you shall never thirst again. I'll tell you what the world needs today. They need to visit the well. The thing about a well is, is the king needed the well just like the pauper needed it. Shepherds needed the well just like the sheep needed the well. It didn't matter how rich you were or how poor you were, you were eventually going to get thirsty and have to come to the well. Friend, let me tell you something. I'll never forget the day that I got thirsty enough that I come to the well of the altar looking for that water that would quench my thirst. And at a young age, let me tell you, God filled me with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Friend, the water of this life will never satisfy. It will only pacify you and it's empty and void. But Jesus said, if you will come to me, I will give you this water. And if you drink of this water, you're never going to thirst again. We find several incidents. In, in the book of Genesis, the Bible says that, that Abraham dug a well. In Genesis 16, Hagar, she met an angel of the Lord at Abraham's well. That's where she received the promise that she was going to have a son. In, uh, In Numbers chapter 21, this is where we read this. And, and from thence they went to bear, and the well thereof where the Lord spake unto Moses to gather up the people. And he said, I will give them water. Then Israel sang this song, Spring up, O well, sing ye unto it. I'm telling you, the Lord wants us to dig a well. Every time we come to church when we don't feel like it, we're digging a well. Every time we pray and we get down on our knees when we don't feel like it, Brother Herman, we're digging a well. Isn't it just like Jesus to meet us at the well? 
place of our greatest need. He's come that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly. Isaiah 12 and 3 says, Therefore, with joy shall we draw water out of the wells of salvation. There is a well that will never run dry. There is a well that the source of it will last for eternity. All you have to do is come and drink. The Bible said in the book of Revelations 22, Let he that is a thirst, let him come and let him drink of the waters of life freely thought about thought about Isaac so Isaac inherits this well from his dad he goes over to live with the Philistines and he's over there near Gerar and Abimelech the king has made a proclamation you can read it beginning at Genesis 26 and verse 1 it says and there was a famine in the land besides the first famine that was already in the days of Abraham and Isaac went to Abimelech, the king of the Philistines in Gerar. And if you keep reading, it talks about the famine. Everybody's crops was, was dying. It was, it was dry. I'm telling you, there was a drought. I know Brother, Brother Lee preached about the drought Sunday night. I, I was at the hospital and I was watching it live. I, I told him a little bit Sunday while we were over here what I was preaching Wednesday night. So he kind of got all over my message about the water. But, you know, dancing in the drought. You know, there was a drought and a famine in the land. And Isaac, watch this, in Genesis 26 and 12, the Bible says, Then Isaac sowed in that land and he reaped in the same year a hundredfold. Now, I'm not a farmer, but if you can sow in one year and reap that same year a hundredfold, that's something to invest in. And I got to thinking, why in the world, in a famine, can Isaac plant and reap when everyone else is in a drought? I'll tell you why. He had a source of water. It was something his dad had dug. Amen. It's an old well that you can draw from. Let me tell you something. The reason that we can survive in a drought, the reason that we can, we can maintain where we're at, Brother Al, is because there's been some forefathers that has dug a well and has paved the way and has made it possible for us to have salvation in this church. So it says, Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in that same year a hundredfold. And the Lord blessed him. And, and it says this, the man began to prosper. How do you like beginning to prosper? How many of you like to prosper? Watch what he says. So he began to prosper and he continued prospering until he became very prosperous. There's a lot of prospering going on. He began to prosper, and he continued prospering until he became very prosperous. Sounds like the place I want to be. How can this happen? He found a well. The very next verse, watch this. You know, when you start prospering, people start getting jealous. When you start living for God, you get phone calls from family members that says, I can't believe you're going down into that crazy church. Now the Philistines had stopped up all the wells that his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham, his father, and they had filled them with earth. 
And Abimelech, the king, says unto Isaac, Go away from us because you are much mightier than we. Isn't that something when the king has to come tell you, Listen, you're prospering more than me. And so the Bible says Isaac departed from the land where he pitched his tent in the valley of Gerar and dwelt there. And the Bible says that Isaac dug again a well of water that they had dug in the days of Abraham his father for the Philistines had stopped them up after the death of Abraham and he called them by names which was his father had called them. Let me tell you something. There's no sense in changing the name. If it was good enough for Abraham, then it's good enough for me. If it was good enough for those back then in the Brush Arbor days, it's good enough for me. There's no sense in changing the name. Amen. Because the water is still the water that flows. Every time we worship God when we don't feel like it, we're digging a well. Then we move it on to the water. Water is mentioned 722 times in the Bible. I learned today that as I was looking out the window at the water, that water is mentioned more times than faith in the Bible. It's amazing, isn't it? Water is mentioned more times than hope, and water is mentioned even more times than prayer or worship in this Bible. Isn't it something that when Ezekiel had his vision, the Bible says that Brother House mentioned it the other night, that the waters in this vision, which represented the Holy Ghost, was ankle deep. You know, some people are, are comfortable in just getting a little bit of truth and just coming to the altars and maybe just feeling a little bit of goosebumps. Then you got others that, that wade out and, and then they get like in the knee-deep water. You know, it's where they come and they kind of look Pentecostal. They kind of raise their hands and they worship. Then the Bible says that he moved on out a few more followings and there was waist-deep water. And then he began to keep moving into where the water was unable to be surpassed. That's the kind of water, amen, that Brother Roger dove into a few Sundays ago where you go home and you clean out the closet and you clean out the refrigerator and you clean out the movie uh, playlist. You, you clean out uh, the radio presets in your vehicle. That's when you wade into the water. It takes more than ankle deep water. But let me tell you something. When you get the Holy Ghost and you get to water, there's something about the water. You know, Jesus started off the conversation with water and he says, give me to drink. You know, you don't hear these words again until he's hanging on the cross in John chapter 19 when he was thirsting there hanging on the cross. Something about the water. John 7 and 37, it says, In the last days of the great day of feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. And he that believeth on me, as the scripture saith, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this he spake of the Holy Ghost, which they that believed on him which received. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given because Jesus had not yet been glorified. So the water that he's talking about that's going to flow out of the belly has not been poured out yet because Jesus had not yet been crucified. So in John chapter 19, the Bible says that when the Roman soldiers saw that Jesus had already died, Roman custom was, was for them to break the legs of the victim. 
But the Bible says that it was prophesied of Jesus back in Psalms that neither a bone in his body would be broken. But the Bible says that that Roman soldier, you better watch what that spear devil, what you're doing. You're about to loose something that's going to tear up the day of Pentecost. And the Bible says when he punctured underneath Jesus' fifth rib that blood and water flowed out. That water that flowed out of Jesus' side was the same water Jesus was offering the Samaritan woman of ill repute. The woman that was living with somebody's husband that wasn't even hers. The, the woman that the disciple says, I don't want nothing to do with her. Jesus said, come on and be a part of my kingdom. I wonder how many of us tonight, Mama Ann, did the world and the church would have given up on us. But Jesus said, what you go around, I'm going too. And let me tell you something. <clears throat> the Bible says that when she left, she didn't say, come see the well. She didn't say, come see the water. She said, come see a man that has told me everything. Let me tell you something. If God can use that woman at the well who was a sinner, who was a reject, who was an outcast and let her pave the way for Samaria, surely God can use me. Surely God can use you to reach a loss in a dying world. Jesus connected with somebody that his disciples want to know part of I wonder today are we connecting with the right people that Jesus puts in our paths or do we do like the disciples and say I'd rather go grocery shopping than to visit with them she had come to a natural well but she met there a spiritual well the, the natural well was the source of natural water but Jesus offered her living water she was used to the water that pacified. Jesus gave her water that satisfies. The third thing I want to talk about is the word. <clears throat> Everything in that context of John chapter 4 is about water, the well, the word that she got. And Jesus says this to her. After they talk about the water, the woman said unto her, Sir, give me this water. You know, I've wondered so many times, why does it take people so long to put off the front and the facade? They come to church and they pretend like everything's okay. I'm, I'm here at the well. I'm going through the motions. I've got plenty to drink, but really you're dying of thirst. This woman was dying of thirst, walking distance from the well. Finally, after she realizes, she says, Sir, give me to drink. And Jesus said unto her, Go call thy husband and tell him to come hither. And the, woman, the woman said unto him, I have no husband. She didn't know how much Jesus knew. And he says, for thou hast said a truth, for thou hast had five husbands, and he of whom thou now hast is not thy husband, in that thou hast said truly. The woman said unto him, I perceive that thou art a prophet. 
And then she goes right into worship. She said, our fathers worshipped in this mountain. And ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. And Jesus said unto her, woman, believe me, for the hour cometh and now is. He was giving her a word. She was at the place of need, which is the well. That's the altar. She had received the Holy Ghost, which is the water. And now she's about to receive the word. You know, I've seen people that dance and speak in tongues and a shout when the music's playing, but when it comes time for the word, they don't want it. They don't want to hear the word. I'm thankful, amen, to go and be a part of a church that loves the word. This church loves the word. So, so when Jesus gives her a word, it was always about salvation. She says unto him that salvation is of the Jews. And then she moved into worship and talked about, we've been worshiping the mountain. You've been worshiping the mountain, but you haven't had a word. I've, I've been to churches before where they had, they had worship, but they had no word. They had a shout, they had a dance, but they didn't have a word. You cannot have a word and run the aisles. You cannot have a word and dance. But what you can't have, a, you got to have a word to worship. Because the Bible says the first words out of Jesus' mouth was, he said, I thirst. Give me to drink. What are you thirsty for? The same thing she was thirsty for. She was thirsty for water. You know our bodies are made up of 70% of water and so we thirst for water because we thirst for what we're made of Jesus said I thirst and the Bible says right here in John 4 24 for God is spirit there it is so he desires spirit worship he said they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth let me tell you the difference between worship and praise. The Bible says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. You can praise God and not worship God. I've seen people when the music's playing, they can dance and shout and run the aisles. But let me tell you something. People don't understand true worshiper. The Bible says the Father is thirsty for a true worshiper. And a true worshiper has got to have the word inside of him. David said, thy word, O oh God, have I hidden my heart that I might not sin against thee. She went back to the city and she said, it's not the water that changed me. It's not the well that changed me, but he gave me a word. Come see a man that's told me everything. Let me tell you something. You want to see your family saved? Amen. It's going to take more than just the Holy Ghost to save your family. It's going to take more than just the water and the well. You're going to have to have the word of God. Amen. Jeremiah said, thy words were found and I did eat them. Let me tell you something. David said, it's a light unto my feet and a lamp to my path. He said, I can walk in your ways. The word of God. Jesus told her something that nobody else knew. 
You know there's something about the word of God, Brother Rodney, that I love? The word of God doesn't just reveal God. It reveals us. When I read the word of God, it not only helps me to see God, but it helps me to see my life. The word of God helps to point out my faults. The word of God helps uncover my shortcomings. The word of God helps me to see my pride. The word of God helps me to see and it reveals my unforgiveness. You see, if his disciples would have been covered with the word, they would have came to Samaria and what an impact they could have been. But Jesus had to do it all by himself. I wonder what would happen if we would get the same attitude of Jesus, amen, and not have to have Jesus do it all by himself. The word. It wasn't the well that stuck out the most to her. It was the word that he gave her. We can't have church without the word. Hebrews 4 and 12 says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints of mire, and as the discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. I'm thankful for the well where I met Jesus. I'm thankful for the water that quenches my thirst when I'm in a dry, weary land. I can take a good drink of the Holy Ghost, amen, and all the dryness goes away. But I'm more thankful for the word. A few weeks ago, I preached about 2 Timothy chapter 4 where Paul told Timothy, preach the word. Preach the word, preach the word. It's all right to have the spirit. It's all right to have the water. It's all right to be at the well. But friend, don't leave the well with just the Holy Ghost. You gotta leave with a word. I'm here to tell somebody tonight, amen, you've got the Holy Ghost, but you need to leave tonight with the word. The word saves. The word heals. The word reveals. The word sustains. The Bible said in Isaiah, the word will not return void. The word convicts. Notice what happened in Acts chapter 2 and verse 36. The Bible says when they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts. It changed the doubters and the unbelievers to saying to the men and brethren, what must we do? You know what did that? It wasn't the Holy Ghost. It wasn't the speaking in tongues. It was the word when Peter began to preach to them on the day of Pentecost and he said, this same Jesus whom you have crucified with wicked hands, it is him that God has made Lord. The Bible says when they heard it, amen, the word entered into their hearts and it pricked them. Let me tell you something. You can always tell when somebody's had the word because the word changes you. The word changes you. I, I, know, I know you're probably going to fault me for saying that. I've seen people that get the Holy Ghost and don't change. And I've questioned it. And I thought, Lord, I, what in the world? And, and there, there's, a, there's a parable in the Bible, the parable of the sower. The Bible talks about how the sower goes out to sow seed. He sows it on the thorny ground. He, he sows it on the, thorn, on the stony ground by the wayside. And the Bible says, the Bible says, I'm not exactly sure on exactly the, the exact wording of it, but he says, but when the sun came up, it 
and the, and the thistles grew up, it choked it out. They had the Holy Ghost, but the Bible says they didn't have the word. Friend, let me tell you something. Brother Roger, I'm glad you got the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost is going to give you power. But let me tell you something. It's going to take the word of God. It's going to take you digging down into this Bible right here and finding the promises of God and putting this word in your heart. The water's good. The way, I've got the Holy Ghost, but you've got to have the word. What did Jesus fight the devil with? He didn't give her the words at the side of the well and he didn't say to the devil, hey, if you drink of this water, you'll never thirst again. He said, it is written, man shall not live by bread only. He had the word. That's why in the book of Revelation chapter 12, the Bible says how we're gonna overcome him. We're gonna overcome him by the word of our testimony and by the blood of the lamb. I'm thankful that I'm a church of the word. I'm glad I'm a preacher of the word. I may not be the best preacher, but let me tell you something. As a young man, I devoted myself to this word of God and I hid it in my heart. The devil might can take this Bible, Brother Herman, out of my hands, but he can't take it out of my heart. Every promise that God has given me, amen, I've stored it in my heart. The Bible says the water mixed with the word. Ephesians 5, 26 says we are cleansed by the washing of the water by the word. John 1 and 5 1 John 5, 7 even says it like this. For there are three that bear record in heaven. Three. Everybody says, oh, no, there's three gods. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. That's three. Father, Word, Holy Ghost. Oh, but then it says, and these three are one. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. In John chapter 14 and verse 7, Philip said, Lord, show us the Father that it suffices. Jesus said, have I been so long time with you, Philip, that you've not known me? He that has seen me has seen the Father. When did they see the Father? They only seen the Father through Jesus. Then in John 14, 26, Jesus said, the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost. That's me too. He said, whom the Father will send in my name. Jesus said, I won't leave you comfortless. I will come again unto you. So back to 1 John 5, 7. For there are three that bear record in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. This is in heaven. Then he goes to the earth. There are three that bear witness in the earth. Here it is. You ready? The Spirit, which is the Holy Ghost. The water, which is baptism. And the blood. And these three agree in one. I've got the well. I've got the water. But friend, let me tell you, I didn't skip out on the word. I've got the word of God. You can't have his spirit without the word. I heard somebody say, you don't have to have the Holy Ghost. Too. You don't have to have the Holy Ghost to go to heaven. Hmm. The Bible says, he that hath not the spirit of God is none of his. You got to have the Holy Ghost. Job said, I'd rather have thy word than my necessary food. Amos said it like this, Behold, in the last days shall come, saith the Lord. If you'll come to the piano, give him a little bit of some hope. We're closing. It's 
right almost 8 o'clock. He said there will be a famine in the land, not of bread nor of thirst of water, but of the hearing of the word. Let me tell you how Satan's going to snatch you right out of the church. He snatched a many of them that's had the Holy Ghost. He snatched a many of them off the well. Friend, let me tell you something. When you put this word in your heart, it's the word of God that's going to keep you. You know the Bible, the, the Bible reveals the mind of God. It's the state of man we can stand. The Bible is the way of salvation. It reveals the doom of sinners. The happiness of believers. Its doctrines are holy. Its precepts are binding. Its histories are true. And its decisions are immutable. Read it to be wise. Believe it to be saved. Practice it to be holy. It contains light, Sister Tammy, to direct you. It contains food, Brother Roger, to support you. It has comfort to cheer you. It's the traveler's map. It's the pilgrim's staff. It's the pilot's compass. It's the soldier's sword. And it's the Christian's charter. Here in this book, paradise is gained. Heaven is open. Hell disclosed. Christ is a grand object. Our good is its designed. And the glory of God is its end. Thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that it changes and impacts your life for days to come. If you would like to connect with us further, give us a like on Facebook at facebook.com slash Centerpoint Pentecostal Church or just search Centerpoint Pentecostal Church on Facebook. If you would like to join one of our services in person, the service times and address are in the podcast description. Thank you and God bless, and we hope to see you on the next episode.